In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Uh, Today is the feast of the Old Testament prophet Elijah. And reading Elijah's ups and downs in today's assigned readings is like watching the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals. One quarter they look absolutely unbeatable, and the next feels like if I suited up, I could help them get a win. Like the Celtics, Elijah has had a couple dramatic successes followed by total collapse. One day, he destroys the prophets of Baal, he calls down fire from heaven, and he successfully prays for rain, which ends a drought. The next day, he gets a message from the king's wife Jezebel, essentially saying, we're going to hunt you down. Elijah does not have a thick skin, it seems. He's intimidated, he's depressed, he runs away from his calling. And who can blame him? He's tried to be good and to serve God, and all he's gotten are death threats in return. I think we can all identify on some level with Elijah. We all have good days and bad days. Some some days there's hardly anyone in church and no one serving on the altar and the toilet is broken. And other days the church is full, as is the altar, and the toilet is broken. We all have good days and bad days. But some of us, the artists, the helpers, the pastors, like Elijah, like me, perhaps like you, maybe we have more drastic extremes. God has made some sensitive souls out there whose sensitivity makes them prone to the ups and downs of life. In this church, we have some artists, designers, and photographers. Their talents come from a soul which is sensitive to beauty. In this church, we have teachers and nurses and counselors. Their talents come from a soul sensitive to the good of others. But the shadow side of a sensitive soul is that we can be oversensitive to approval and criticism, to success and failure, to falling short of very high ideals. Well, it seems to me that Elijah had such a gift and such a curse and that in today's reading, he gives us a couple lessons in how to maximize the gift and minimize the curse. So let's start at Elijah's lowest point in his ministry, where in fact, Elijah does run away from it all. Burned out and resentful, he goes for a day, he lies down under a broom tree, and he sleeps. Then an angel wakes him up and gives him food and water. Then he goes back to sleep. Then the angel wakes him up again and gives him food and water, and he goes back to sleep again. And then, only then, is Elijah ready to go forth for 40 days and 40 nights, like his predecessor Moses, to encounter God at the holy mountain. And here you have the first lesson of perseverance for the sensitive soul. Humans are not machines. God has designed us to be productive, and inspired and committed in seasons, in bursts. We must first learn to recognize when this season ends, and when it does, learn to stop 
and watch and pray and repeat until God feeds us and restores our gifts. In a word, what is this? It's Sabbath. We have to learn to practice Sabbath, which is merely the rhythm of God's will for our lives. That's what church is for, of course. A day set apart from the ups and downs of a busy week to restore ourselves and encounter God. That's what Lent and Advent are for, a season of the year set apart from a restless calendar, a relentless calendar, in a time where we can stand vulnerable before God and blurt out to him as Elijah did, all which lies deepest in our hearts, both our boasts and our despairs, and listen for God's healing and inspiring word. So Elijah shows us that practicing Sabbath in our week, in our year, it restores us by relying on God. His second lesson is that we are similarly restored by relying on others around us. Before Elijah's retreat and meeting with God, he was quite the superstar. He was doing things that no prophet had ever done before or since. And after his divine encounter, he finds that God's plan, though, is much bigger than him and that he's not going it alone. When he walks away from the holy mountain, Elijah passes a young man in the fields, plowing the fields, and he finds his replacement, Elisha, who will bring forward God's plan way beyond ways that Elijah can even comprehend. Just like Elijah, if you're like me, our egos often trick us into thinking that we're going it alone, and if we don't do it, nobody else will. This happens all the time. It's certainly a great cause of my ups and downs, because if I think that it's all on my shoulders to make the sermon good, and if it's all on my shoulders to make the marriage sacrament meaningful and the grieved comforted, then by the same logic, it must be my fault when the sermon isn't that good, if the marriage ended, or if the grieved remain wounded. No, Father Hovnan, this is too much about you and too little about God and the others whom God has called to minister together with you. So let me conclude then with going back to the basketball world to see why going it alone is a real problem. In basketball, they would call this style of play hero ball. Hero ball is probably the biggest reason why the Celtics win by 20 points one night and the Warriors by 20 another night. Because as in life, so on the court, the most talented people are most susceptible to playing hero ball. They have the most skill, they have the most pressure to produce. So I'm going to take this team on my shoulders and shoot 25 three-pointers. Okay, so one day you'll be the GOAT, greatest of all time, and score 50 points, but the next day you'll just be a GOAT, the biblical kind. Your team will lose because of you, because after all, you took away all the easier shots that your teammates might have made. So instead, the best and wisest athletes 
the best and wisest parents and poets and priests learn to stop playing hero ball and start relying on the rest of the team and their God. That's the wisdom that Elijah gives us today on the day we honor him. And their lessons relevant, I think, to everyone, but especially to those sensitive souls who are deeply in tune to the good and the true and the beautiful. And so let us learn not to take our successes and our failures personally, knowing that for both we rely very heavily on God and others. And let us also learn that the Sabbath rhythms of work and rest are the divine secrets to making all things good and true and beautiful, most importantly, our very souls in Christ, now and always, and unto the ages of ages. Amen.